If you do not have our church podcast, it's shouted on Facebook from the Harvest House page. If you're not following Harvest House page on Facebook, um, go follow that. Invite some people to follow that. And when we share the sermons, share them. That we can, uh, I, you know, we have friends that's connected in this area that don't go to church. So maybe they may hear something or see something on the page that will um, get them excited, maybe want to come be in church. So share that. <clears throat> and, you know, our church reaches a long way, okay? We have folks that come from um, Morganfield. We have people that come from the Salem area. Uh, what's that? Regina Ridges in Marshall County. We have people coming from Hopkins County area. And uh, you've got to let them call County. Caldwell County. We got people coming from all kinds of different directions. Our church reaches way out. So we have a large reach. <clears throat> we need to never forget that. And just because you may feel like large, I, I drive a long ways and somebody might want to drive that way. Well, you are. So I've heard it say many times that uh, a good church is worth the drive. Amen. I've seen some people that drive to bad churches a long way. I don't mean that mean, but man, they, they go to churches, I'm like, why do you go there? Because they don't preach the truth, you know. And, and, uh, anyway, I'm glad you're here today. I'm going to read a book from Isaiah today, chapter 40. I'm, um, I'm really excited about the next few Sunday mornings. Um, where the Lord has given me something. I have I want to challenge you as you're uh, getting to the scriptures or or you're getting ready for a word today, but I want to challenge you to make this year a good year for yourself. Somebody says, how can I make it a good year? Well, what we do, what we hang around with, who we hang around with, what we read, all this stuff makes a difference in our life. Uh, those same birds and feathers that flock together, right? We know by the crowd we're hanging around with, so forth, so on. Well, you're also known by the shows you watch, the friends you have on Facebook, what you post on Facebook, social media of any sort, uh, places you go, what your checkbook says, all kinds of things. We're known by them. So we that's things that you and I can make a difference in. We can't fix everything, but we can fix some things. We can fix ourselves in some areas of our life. Uh, we can we can't stop what people do, do to us at times but we can dictate how we react we are way too reactive we need to be proactive that means we need to have a plan in place before something ever happens to us we already know how we're going to respond and we don't respond by what happens to us we don't got it planned out we know how we're going to respond you can make your year different by, by some of that stuff. But uh, Isaiah 40, verse 3 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. <clears throat> every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. Lord, bless us today, God, in your precious name. Help us, God, to be challenged in this new coming year that you would help us grow in every area. 
every facet of our life, God, that you would help us, Lord, in your precious mighty name. We love you. We thank you. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe see you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I genuinely love you guys so much. You're in my prayers daily. I think about you daily. Uh, I pray for you, your children, extended family daily. And I'm thankful for that you're in, in my life. Hard to believe that we find ourselves almost a week into 2019. It does seem like just yesterday that I was standing here back on January the 7th and I was dressing this church for the first Sunday of 2018 and yet I find myself here again as I have several years. But how many had some New Year's resolutions for last year? Most people do. And you know, we ask ourselves we, when we up, if you write them down, you may open them up and look at them and, and See how you done? Think, well, maybe I see how I done. You, some people get disappointed with it, and some are happy. And did, did you make any progress with your New Year's resolutions? Um, feel like I done pretty good this year. Probably better than I have in several years. I, I throwed out some goals for myself. I planned to read ten books, but the only read nineteen books this last year. Happy about that. Reading the book. And. Uh, I was uh, I listened to several sermons this uh, last year. I think I listened to probably more sermons. I think I felt like I advanced in some areas of my life, and I felt like I got stagnant a few. But I felt like I had a little bit of progress in my life. Everyone say progress. Progress means forward or onward movement towards a destination. I made mention of it earlier in. When I was exhorting to the church, I, I think specifically in the latter part of 2018, I made some real progress in my life. I think I probably accomplished more of my goals in 2018 than I had in several years in, in my goal making. I, um, part of it probably is I made some realistic goals instead of some far fetched things, you know, it's something that. But I promise you, it did not happen without some preparation on my part. If you accomplish any of your goals this year, I guarantee it didn't happen by accident. It happened on purpose. You know, I, I first, Brother Donnie, I had to sit down. I had to spend some time on reflecting on the previous year and where I was and where I wanted to go in my life. I had to sit down and I had to write out some stuff that I wanted to see happen in 2018. Then I had to make a plan to be able to accomplish those things, and I did. Some of the goals I accomplished because I prepared to accomplish them. And some I did not accomplish because I didn't put enough preparation into them to accomplish them goals. Amen. This morning I'm going to start a, a three-part series. I think it's going to be a three-part on this thought that is not my original thought and I'll tell you where it comes from a little bit later but this three part series is going to have a main main topic of preparation precedes progress preparation precedes progress how would like 2019 to be your best year ever? 
how many like to make some great strides in your progress this year as, as, as a child of God, as a as a spouse to your to your loved ones? Some of you grandparents, be a better grandparent. I'm not hoping to be a grandparent this year, maybe to the next year. But the, I guess to get married three weeks and have time to be a grandparent this year, but I hope they wait till another year. I won't wait on that one, but you know, as a friend, you'd like to be a better worker. You'd like to be a better saint, a better a better saint of Harvest House or, or just a better person in general. I, I do. I want to be a better person. I've made great strides in this last year. I think I've apologized more to my family this last year than I've ever apologized probably in all the years preceding. Part of it is I heard a sermon earlier in 2018 that rocked my world, Brother Nani, and made me figure out how dumb I was. I, I mean that, seriously. Made me realize how uh, self-centered with some things I was and and I had to make some strides but if we're going to do better in this year anytime in our lives if we're going to move forward to where God wants us to be if we're going to have any real progress in our lives we're going to have to prepare for it uh, you know we, we have a wedding that's coming up and my goodness I'm glad I only have one girl. Um, I have sister, sister Lori. I'm so sorry. <laughs> four girls. Um, my brother had four, and every time they had weddings, it was like wow. Um, so much goes into it. You don't have to, but it does. I mean, I'm simple. I, I'm, I'm fine with simple, you know. I've asked the question a few times in the last few weeks. What happened to cake and uh, mints and nuts at the rehearsal? So when did everybody start feeding everybody? Why? why? I've asked them questions. But man, there's been so much preparing to get ready for this wedding. Since you're standing here, but Billy's going to get married here in March. Isn't that wonderful? Actually, happy for them. And excited for that, excited to be a part of that. Praise the Lord. Honored and privileged to be a part of that. I'm looking forward, but there's preparation to it. You got to get ready. And, you know, you got uh, to get the wedding vows lined down. You got to make sure who's going to be helping out with serving and doing this and that and all this stuff. You, man, there's a lot of preparation in order to, to make it happen. It's the same way in our lives. We have to. We have to prepare in order to progress. We can never proceed any farther in our lives if we're not willing to prepare our lives. The great NBA player Larry Bird, perhaps you remember him, played for the Boston Celtics if you're a basketball fan at all. If you're not, you probably still heard of Larry Bird. Um, he shot every morning before he went to school and on up through the rest of his life, he would shoot 500 free throws daily. Every day, 500 free throws. We think that's a lot, but allowed him to end his career shooting an 89% free throw average, which is absolutely astounding. No telling how many thousands and thousands of free throws that he shot in all the years he played in the NBA, and to think that he hit nine, almost nine out of ten every shot from the free throw line. That's incredible. How did it happen? He prepared to make them free throws. It didn't happen just by getting the free throw line. It happened that when he prepared, Shooting 500 a day. 
No doubt we all know who Tiger Woods is. He is the uh, big uh, golfer that for a while he come on real fast. And I was like, wow, where did Tiger Woods come from? And he's kind of making a comeback now since he had a little, um, I'm not a golf fan too much. Dad used to watch it, go to sleep watching that kind of stuff. And it was kind of fun sometimes. But Tiger Woods practiced two hours on the driving range. Worked out on a course swing, uh, swing work in the morning. He followed that by 30 minutes to an hour, putting putting in more practice. Around noon, he played nine holes. In the afternoon, another three to four hours on course work and focusing on the swing and the short game. The afternoon session sometimes included another nine holes of playing golf. He didn't get to be as good as he was by accident. Have you ever heard of Michael Phelps, winner of 23 Olympic gold medals in the swimming competition? He would do six hours of training every day, six days a week. Even if a training day was on Christmas Day, he did not skip it. Has anybody ever heard the great um, old-time preacher, ever heard his name, Jonathan Edwards? If you remember Jonathan Edwards, uh, of course we don't remember him personally, but back in the early 1800s, he is a part of the Great Awakening. He preached a signature sermon. If you've never read it, you need to get online and find it. The name of this sermon is called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. I've read through it. It's an incredible sermon, but just read it. But he delivered it in July of 1741 in Enfield, Connecticut. From the what everybody said, it was totally electrifying. There was wails and cries of the congregation. The fear of God, they said, was on the lips of this man and on them people. And uh, people, I reckon, were just clinging to the seats, weeping and crying, and this many people coming to the altar. Uh, he was that was his famous sermon of the Great Awakening, and he was a famous preacher near that time. And according to history, the move of the Holy Ghost through his preaching estimated that five percent of the population of the colonies found God through just the preaching of Jonathan Edwards. That's a lot, five percent. Amen. I'd like to have uh, 5% of this city. That'd be 150 people in here. So that's how significant, if you think about that, just for that man's preaching, 5% of that colony came to the Lord. Why was he so effective as a preacher? Because it was of his lifelong habit, listen to this, of rising every morning at 4.30 a.m. and studying and praying for 13 hours. Not counting the time they spent visiting and taking care of his saints. We think about these great people. Could could I be a Larry Bird? Well, I'm probably too old now, but could have I been? Could I have been a Tiger Woods? I could have. You could have. The only thing that separates us from some of the greatest people of all history is something that's called preparation. When we prepare, that leads us to have real progress in our lives. The late president Ronald Reagan said, there are no constraints on the human mind, no walls around the human spirit, no barriers to our progress, except those we are self-erect. The only barriers in our life that keeps us from being like the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter or uh, some of the great people in the Bible or even great people that we see that not even accomplish biblical things like Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods or, or Michael Phelps or any of the other uh, famous people that, that's famous for things that they've done. 
Uh, the only thing that keeps us separating from them is the fact that we're not willing to prepare to have the progress that they've had in their life. The only thing that will keep us from progressing to the place God wants us to be and the place that I believe that most of us want to be is our unwillingness to prepare for the progress that God wants us to have in our life. Listen as I read part of the text again today in Isaiah 43. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The, the prophet Isaiah speaking to the children of Israel, saying, you know what? You need to prepare because he's coming. The Old Testament prophecy is of the forerunner of Jesus John the Baptist speaking. And if we jump to the New Testament, we can see the prophecy being fulfilled in the book of Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. It says this, In those days, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, or also Isaiah, saying the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John, John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus being only six months older than Jesus become preaching in the wilderness John's message was a sermon of preparing for progress in the kingdom of God what was his message John preached saying repent ye for the kingdom of the head of the hand if we if we look at the uh, scriptures we see that every major move of God in the Bible the, it was always preceded by some type of Earth-moving shift of society, brother, brother Donnie, that 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 made a way for the new revolutionary message that was coming. Every time, reading it today, children of Israel that was captive in Egypt, and I was reading through the plagues today when Moses came. You know what? God prepared them to get out of that place. Uh, to progress away from being in bondage and slave and to be able to go serve the Lord. How did he prepare? And let me tell you what he done. He tore up Egypt in a great way. There's a major shift in that thing. We, we read where Jesus said, you're not going to pour new wine into old wineskins. You've got to prepare to put new wine in the new wineskins because they'll ferment and grow. And if you try to put new wine in the old wineskins, it'll just bust it and go everywhere. We're trying to put a new move of God in our lives with an old lifestyle, and it don't work that way. We've got to be willing to, to prepare and make a way. You know, if you're going to have a baby uh, born into your house, those of you who had your first child born in your house, what did you do? You found a room, and you prepared that room, and you got it ready. For that baby to have a place to stay. Sister Michelle and him's in the process of moving. I hope they'll actually get there today. Y'all just didn't move into that house, did you? No, no, no. The last couple of months they've been preparing, making a way to be able to have progress to be able to move into that thing. You just didn't. See, because we have a tendency, if we move, if we go into something and we don't prepare it before we get there, we'll never fix it after we get there. Amen. Jesus doesn't want this message to be diluted. He doesn't want it to be suffocated by an existing condition that, that defeats his purpose. Amen. He wants us to prepare, to get ready for progress. The reason so many people cannot get 
we cannot get to where God wants us to be is we have not prepared to be in that place. Roads do not precede the preparation. And he's been down the new road from uh, Marion to Princeton yet. 641 now. If you had this, I was kind of surprised when I went through there. I actually think it's a little quicker. But have you, if you went down that road, you'll actually you'll notice that there's a couple of areas that they didn't go over the hills with the roads. They went through the hills. It took them a long time. I think when we first come to this city, there's a beautiful house that's set down there right by where the road split. Beautiful house that's set right there. And, and uh, uh, Mandy told me, he said, yeah, they're going to tear that house down because that's where the new road's coming through. And I'm like, huh? Why? And, and for 12 years, Brother Donnie, they kept, they've been preparing for that road. And I remember not too long when it's like I went through there. It's like, oh, wow. I see what they've been doing. They've been preparing. They've been They've been buying property from other people. They've been using dynamite to blast hills out of the way and rocks out of the way where they can lay the road down. They didn't just go in there and lay down the road. They prepared to get that road ready for it to come through. And God wants to run something through your life, but he can't do it because there's some things that need to be dynamited out of our life. There's some, there's some hills that need to be brought down. There's some valleys that need to be brought up like the scriptures I read. There's some roads that's crooked in our life that needs to be straightened out in our world. And God wants to put a road through our life and take us down a road, Brother Donnie, but we first, we have got to be willing to understand in order to get where we need to be, folks, it takes us preparing. Curves can't go in until ditches are dug. See, Isaiah's prophecy pinpointed John the Baptist as the forerunner of Jesus. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, was about to rock the world with his brand new message that he had. He was bringing, he was going to totally restructure the Judistic religions of that area. It was going to deliver such an impact on society that any man, any movement, any movement, more than anything in every scene before, Jesus was going to rock the world. And that's when Jesus, John the Baptist came in and said, prepare you the way of the Lord. Repent. Get ready for what's coming. That's what I'm trying to do in 2019, this first Sunday. We need to get ready for what God's fixing to do in Harvest House. He's fixing to rock this area with a move of God and revival like we've never seen. And prophesied, I believe it, it's coming, it's here, it's happening. Listen, the effect of the Jesus' message would be so profound that it would change our, uh, our date system from B.C. to A.D. If you ever notice, you look at look at dates and everything before Jesus, before Christ, all right? And now that we're in 80, it would be the cornerstone of history that all of our culture would be indexed at the birth of Jesus Christ. Even atheists, Brother Donnie, every time they write the current day, they're acknowledging the existence of Jesus. How awesome is that? I don't care if they say I don't believe in God, but if they wrote down the date today as uh, January the 6th, 2019. How many wrote 2018 already? I had to re mark it out to 19. But everybody, every time you write that date down and you put 
no wonder that we cannot simply just add Christianity as a, a religion in our life. Jesus didn't come to give us one more religion. He came to show us a way. He came to show us that he is the truth, that he is the life. As I talked about it last Sunday night, the last Sunday of 2018, we cannot have Jesus accidentally. We cannot have him incrementally, just cautiously in our life. It's not an accidental thing to, to be used of God mightily. I hope you can accidentally make heaven your home, but chances are you're not going to accidentally make heaven your home. If you make it, it's going to be because you prepared and you made it on purpose. The rich, young, uh, the rich young ruler came face to face with Jesus and also the cost of the cross. But he wasn't willing to prepare to follow Jesus. He wasn't willing to do what Jesus had asked. And the Bible said that he walked away from it. Sorrowful. The crowd who enjoyed the loaves and the fishes. They, they enjoyed the, uh, the food. They enjoyed celebrating all the miracles that was Jesus was doing. But rejected his invasive nature that he has in our lives sometimes. He doesn't want to just be a, a, a casual God to you that's living on the outside. He wants to invade your world. He, that's the nature of this life-changing gospel. Nothing can be life-changing unless it invades your life. The truth. Jesus can't radically change your world if he cannot be invited in your life, as I spoke earlier, and have a key to every part of your life. It only goes so far. You put him on a leash and you hold him back. Some of those who walked as disciples heard that transformational teaching of Jesus. It, it, it was a revolutionary message. People would say stuff like, we've never heard it said like this. And, and we've never seen it done like this. And, and, and that gospel that echoed through that, that time, and it, they could not bear the, the, the persuasive demands of, of, of Jesus as the, he was the ultimate truth teller. We don't always like the truth in our life because truth is a light and it shines in the darkness of our life. It exposes our world. It exposes everything about us. And we don't always like that invasiveness of God coming in our life. And we're not willing to, to uh, step out of that and let that prepare our lives to become what God wants us to be. In the Gospel of John tells us that from uh, from that time that when, in John chapter 6, it talks about how there was a certain time that many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Because they couldn't handle when he was trying his best to get them to prepare for what he had. Jesus turned to look at the twelve and he, and he said, will you also go away? But Simon Peter answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. John 6, 66 through 68. Those who keep your notes. Peter preached the same message on the day of Pentecost. He said, then, then Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, for mission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He preached that same message to them. Repent. Repentance is just, it's preparation. It's a cleaning. It's a house cleaning process. 
When we repent, Brother Donnie, we, we look at our lives and we examine ourselves and, and, and we decide that, that this needs to go out of our life and this needs to come in our life. That's what repentance is about. An easier gospel does not exist, folks. Jesus still, still said you have to take up your cross. We have a cross. We have to pack it. We don't have to be crucified on it because he was crucified already. But we do have a cross that we need to pack. And that cross is this gospel that, Brother Donnie, that, that we are the light of the world. We are a city that's set on the hill. And, and he said, come out from among them and be ye separate. We, we are going to be different from everybody else. And, and we can't be different if we don't prepare. There is a way that seems right to, to man, but the end thereof is a way of destruction. We can't follow that way. It, there is no medical procedures. There, there is no uh, uh, alternatives. No, I'm sorry. There's no, there's no herbal treatments as many people go after nowadays. There's no new age uh, uh, methods that can replace an old fashioned gospel message. The old saying is, they may not like our methods, but they will envy our results. This sermon was birthed by something. That I read last week. The start of my new book for this year. Finished 19 last year. I'm planning on reading 25 this year. That's my goal. I think I've done good. And I looked at single brother David Bernard this last year. Preached a hunt, or read 160 books and read 140 magazines. I'm like, how? Obvious. He prepared to do it. But in his book, his his statement, the statement that he that he said, it challenged me. It is, it is the basis of my title that I've given for this series. And, and this statement that he said, he said, John came before Jesus because preparation precedes progress. And the significance of the order of that cannot be overstated. It cannot be diminished. And we have to understand that that particular order is so important. Preparation precedes or comes before progress. There will be no progress in our life if we don't prepare before progress ever comes. This, this message of a modern day John the Baptist did it was repent. Prepare. He's coming. He's fixing to shake your world. It's still a same message today. It's repentance. And Brother, Mar uh, Brother J. Mark Jordan said this. He said, from a cr critical threefold path, it's important that every saint of God uses this process to prepare for progress. And then three things are what I'm going to use for the basis for our next three this Sunday and the two more after it. The three things are this. We got to, to, to prepare. We have to lay aside. We have to cleanse and we have to kill. And that's why this is going to be a three-part series. So I can take the time and talk about each of these three things. He just had probably uh, a page or a page and a half in this book that I'm reading that he talked about this. But I'm going to take each of these things and See, these things, I believe, are going to help us to prepare for progress in our Christian walk in 2019. It's going to help me. If it doesn't help you, it's going to help me. I know that. And the first thing that we need to do that he said here in this is, you know, 
to prepare for, for progress in our lives, our relationship with Jesus, and, and to become everything we need. We need to, to lay aside. Everybody say lay aside. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run this race with patience. The race that's set before us. Have you ever been overwhelmed by junk? This Michelle, no doubt, you're in a process of moving. Have you ever moved? And all of a sudden you're like, you haven't, but your husband's trying to. I remember going from that little house in St. Charles, 900 square feet to the house that we live in now. At that time, we had about 1,600 living uh Space. And after we got everything in, I'm like, how did I get all this in that little house? And I'm still wondering how I got all that stuff in my house. We get overwhelmed by junk in our life. The writer of Hebrews said, let's lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily besets us. In other words, he said, get rid of the junk. My, my wife wrote a, a poem, and I've been trying to find it. I wish I could find it. The name of it is called Under the Junk. And in her poem, she just talked about something she was looking for, and she couldn't find it, but finally she found it. Guess where she found it? The title of the poem, Under the Junk. I'm hoping to find it. Mom actually took it and laminated it and had her picture and everything fixed with it, but she put it on the church newspapers we had years ago at Star Bethlehem. I'm going to find it. I do. I'll, I'll read it or post it on Facebook or something. But it, it, it's so many things that junk just piles up in, in our homes or life or vehicles. I, I mean, I, I thank God God given me, I believe, an awesome son-in-law. Sister Linda, he's, he's an awesome young man. And he, he is. And God's using him, going to use him in a great way. But my God, he's messy. <laughs> Rise been work. I would clean. I had to clean out my truck yesterday, and I'm like, Texas, John. I'll get back to it in a second. <laughs> See, in almost ten years of being in this building, I couldn't count the time I and others have attacked the mountain of things in our little downstairs closet that's right over here. Some of you have been in that closet too, right? The rest of it's down in our basement. <laughs> the mountain of things in that little closet that once had value. Listen to this. We found pieces of pipe. We found wood molding in there. We found rotting carpet. As we speak, there's still dried paint in cans, paint brushes that should have been thrown away. We found broken down toys, things people's given us, parts of furniture, and all kinds of other semi-discarded items. They have accumulated over time. And they have been hindering 
the right and full of the space that they occupy. They had value at one time. But now that it holds no value, and it's just become junk and taking up space. Does anybody know where I'm going here? Here's the problem with junk being in our lives. I'll get back to Texas with this. Junk breeds junk. Because not only did I clean out all kinds of junk on his side, but I cleaned out all kinds of junk on my side. Because when we find a place that's junked up, that's where we think junk goes. Right? Can I get an amen? Amen. And the problem is, Brother Donnie, when we allow junk to be in our world, junk attracts rodents. Birds. If it's outside, it attracts birds. I mean, there, there's a place down behind my house that my cousin throws junk down there. If you ever come to my house this time of the year, I don't believe there's a buzzard anywhere else in this world, okay? I believe they're all right behind my house. I hunt behind my house. I'm telling you how bad it is. I hunt behind my house. One day, I walked down there in the morning to go deer hunting, and it scared me to death. <laughs> and I look on the ground thinking, has it snowed? No, that's not snow. That's bird manure on the ground. I'm telling you, a space big as this auditorium here, this, this room is covered white. I'm like, oh. But there's a big, huge junk pile that's attracting them. Spiders. Cockroaches. All kinds of stuff. The best junk in the world can become very hazardous to our lives. Producing mold that can can cause all kinds of things in our lives. And we're tempted to ask when we go to clean it up. This closet or your closet or wherever is, what is this? Can this still be used? Does anybody want this? Can this be fixed? Come on, you know where I'm at here today. Every one of us has got that drawer like I brought here a while back. Y'all remember that drawer? Those, all them cords in there? I might need that cord for something. That's why it's tied up with five other cords, right? Every cell phone we've ever had, we got a charging cord for it, but the phone don't work. We got we got our first phone broken in a thousand pieces, and we're afraid to let it go. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for sentimental things, but man, we got a drawer. It's got so many things in there. Why do we need that for? What are we going to do with it? I mean, seriously, when, when mom died, she's got a secret chest. It had so many things in there. I'm like, what even is this? Why is this here? J. Mark Jordan made a statement in this, this few uh chapters or a few uh, pages that I was reading on this subject here with this. He said, never be kind to spiritual junk. We can't forget what we're doing, Brother Donnie. I 
promise you, one of these days, we're going to get a hold of that closet, and it's not going to be a junk closet, all right? That's one of my goals for 2019 in Harvest House, okay? Amen. I meant to lock on it, but I'm probably going to. But when we begin to lay aside junk, we begin to reclaim valuable space that the junk took away from us. Right now, we got some things that needs to go in that closet down there. But there's some junk that needs to leave. And it's taking up valuable space. Because here's the problem with junk in our life. It, with junk, we're not willing to arrange it like it needs to be. We're willing to let it lay like it is. And we just, it breeds more junk. And we just pile something else up on top of it and put something else out on top of it. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we, we have, we're already got a grudge against this person, so it's not going to hurt. They have a grudge against this person. I'm already mad at this person, so I'll just go ahead and get mad at that person. I, I've already missed one church service, so why not miss two church services? I, I've already missed this month of, of paying tithes. Why not just go ahead and miss that one? And the next thing you know, one habit produces another habit. And we got to be willing to lay aside our grudges, lay aside our prayers prejudices in our life, lay aside our old habits, and, and, and we're, we're familiar, our familiar ways of doing things, we got to be willing to lay aside our hatreds and our and our dislikes, and, 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 and you know what, we need to be willing to lay aside the junk in our world, our preferences that gets in the way, there's junk in our lives that we got to get rid of. In 2019, to really proceed and get to the place that God wants in our life. I know I'm talking about 2019, but, but let me tell you, let me talk about 2018 and be personal here for a minute because I'm going to tell you, there was some things in my life in 2018, Brother Donnie, some junk in my life. I had to get out of my world. I, you know what? You know what some of that junk is? As a man, you know, we're bad about this, but we're going to say, hey, I'm wrong. You're right, honey. Forgive me. Looking at my kids and say, you're right. I treated you wrong with that. I, I responded to you wrong with that. Be willing to lay aside that my, my manhood and lay it to the side and, and be human and just say, you know what? I was wrong. Be willing to lay aside some things that Now, you can do what you want to do, but I deleted Facebook off my phone because I don't need that access in my life calling to me constantly. The only place I have it is on my iPad where I can look at it at home and thank God that, 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 uh, uh, that Apple has made this wonderful new thing. I'm so thankful for something they've done. That if you have a, an Apple product, you can put a time limit on what you're doing on your phone. That it said it 20 minutes, so when it pops up, you have five minutes left. Before you hit your time limit. Put some junk out of my life. Make room to read more books. Most of these books I've been reading. been reading on my phone. Instead of wasting time with junk. And Brother Don, we're going to be willing to lay aside. There's some, there's some misguided people that, that, that we keep junk and we throw away the good stuff. We let mosquitoes become monsters in our life. We let mountains or molehills become mountains in our life. I don't care what's going around, going on on Facebook and Twitter. 
It's not worth my soul. I told my wife, I said, this, this year, I, it's a goal for me to, I don't want to talk about bad about nobody. It's already been twice this year. I've told two individuals, six days in the year, twice in this year, I've told uh, two different people. I said, look, I don't have a dog in that fight, and I'm not talking about it. It don't mean nothing to me, so it doesn't matter to me. I don't want to hear it. Trying to lay some junk to the side because I don't need nothing. It's not worth my soul. It doesn't matter what, what the whispers and the gospers are saying. We want, we want to get them fixed, but I've I got to fix me this year. i got to lay some things aside. And for me to help this church like God wants me to help this church, I've got to lay aside some things in my life. I've got to be willing to take an initiative in my life. We can't help nobody if we can't first help ourselves. But sometimes, sometimes other people will lay junk on you. And let me tell you now, you're not going to get out of it. Because sometimes it's your kids, it's those that you're responsible for. And sometimes, and you may not you may not agree with this, but let me just lay it out here. Sometimes you have to be willing to take your junk because you know what to do with it. Here. Sister Lori, if we know what to do with junk and somebody else lays their junk on us, it doesn't matter how much junk you lay on me because I know what to do with junk. And Brother David, if I have a good habit of knowing what to do with my junk in my life, I don't care what kind of junk you put on me. Your junk ain't going to hurt me because I don't know how to take care of junk. Because no junk in our life messes with us worse than the junk that we have ourselves. Because, Sister Stephanie, if I know how to deal with my junk, because after all, my junk's the only one that really bothers me. We can blame, we can blame stuff on everybody else. But at the end of the day, the only junk that really affects our world is the junk that we got in our closet. And the only way somebody else's junk affects me is when my junk closet is full and I don't have room for junk. But Brother David, if I know what to do with the junk, and somebody wants to play it, so yeah, I got a place for you to put that junk. I'm not telling you to turn it in the garbage can for gossip, okay? I'm not saying that. Right? Amen. Don't get me wrong here. But sometimes when your broken kid comes to you and they're trying to find their way in God and they're coming to you and they don't know where to go or there's some young man or some woman that you're mentoring in your life. And let me just talk about it as a pastor. As I got some of you guys, you know what? Sometimes don't, don't ever feel like you're invading my world, okay? I've got to put me in your life. For this reason, to be a pastor and to be an ear and to try to help you get through things. But don't you ever feel like you're invading my world. And let me tell you something. If you're something that you feel like you need to talk about, don't go to somebody else at the church and talk about it. Come to me. Amen. Right? Amen. Don't, you don't have to be invasive on somebody. God put me in this place. He's equipped me for this, all right? And Brother Donnie, I realized over the last few years, I've let too much junk in my world. And I'm not being as good as taking care of other people's junk because I had too much junk in my world. 
And this is what 2018 has been all about in my world, is getting junk out of my life so I can help somebody else get the junk out of their life. I've created a special place in my world for junk. I can't keep it that way. The kids come and say, let me just give you an example. The young man in, in, in the book of 2 Kings, the one that Elisha prophesied that the woman of Shuman was going to have a son. She had a son, sister Michelle. But you know what she had done in her life? She had built a place in her life that God could dwell with. The Bible says she built a chamber on her in in her house that when the man of God come by Elisha, meaning that is actually uh, meaning salvation is with us. When, when Elisha came into her world, you know what? She had a place that God could stay. And he prophesied that you're going to have a son. The Bible said that that son got older. He began to grab his head and say, "My head, my head." You know what the woman done with her son? She knew what to do with her son when he come to her with her his head hunting, hurting. With some kind of junk that can bother her world. You know what the Bible said he done? Took that boy and wouldn't and put him in the place that she built for her life. Sister Lord, she had a place in her life that didn't have no junk in there. All it had in there was a place for God to live and dwell. And that woman, when that child come to her with his junk, with his words, worries, and concerns, and his hurts, and come to that mama saying, My head's hurting. She knew what to do with him. She put him in that room and went and found the man of God. My question to us today is this. When your kids or somebody else comes hollering you, say, my head, my head, I'm so confused. I don't know where to go or what to do. Do you know what to do with them? And Brother Donnie, if, if we're not preparing for that in our lives, I don't know what to do with them. I'm fixing to be done. Matthew 6 and 33 and 34 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. Take no thought, therefore, for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take no thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. We, we, we take all this stuff and bring it into our lives. And God said, look, you don't worry about some of this stuff. You just need to lay some things inside. Let's just follow the principles of God. Let's press forward. And God will take us where we need to be. I'm going to bring this to close today with the scripture I've done read. I know I've done it over here today. I'm, I'm trying. I've been digging at myself. There's not some things we need to lay aside. Every one of us. There, I've been working on myself and there's still some more things. I don't think I've ever made a New Year's like go resolution thing in my life like I had this year. God give me grace to be able to accomplish all this. But Hebrews trouble more bore foreseen more foreseen where compassed about with so great a title witness. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which this will easily beset us. Let's run with patience the race that's set before us. What is that what is it that's hindering you? from progressing the life of victory and power through Jesus. I may mention that there a preacher say, what's that one thing in your life that you are not doing or you are doing that's stopping you from being what God wants you to do? What, what sin, what habit, what, what attitude, what fear keeps you 
from running your race of faith the way we should. We all tolerate junk in our lives that make it difficult for us to please God. And, and when we know we're not pleasing God, we're, we're, we typically aren't happy with ourselves. I found that my happiest state of my life is when I'm pleasing God. And my most unhappiest state of my life is when I'm not. The reason that Hebrews 12, 1, it tells us to lay aside every weight. The words lay aside are taken from the, from the Greek. It's a compound of words. And these two words are compounded together and it gives a picture. When you look at it, it gives a picture of someone who is not just laying something down, but they're pushing it away. Not just, oh, it is. This is what this Greek word is. It's, it's not just laying it down. It's laying it down and pushing it far beyond your reach. You know, you ever been sitting at the kitchen table and somebody brings a bag of chips in and you begin to eat the chips and you set them back down and finally you take it and you just give it a shove and you can't reach it. This is the vision that is given. Not just push it away from you, but you push it out of your way. It, it, it's implying deliberately deciding to make a permanent change of attitude or behavior. It's laying aside the wrong attitudes or actions from our lives that well, they won't occur accidentally. We've got to prepare to do that. We must prepare to change. We've got to prepare to remove, to lay aside, and put away attitudes and actions that don't please God. And, and, and they adversely affect our walk with God. Attitudes that, that affect our relationship with God and other people too. Hebrews 12 1 refers to, to our incorrect attitudes and our actions as, as weights. There's something that may not be necessarily sin, but Brother Don, it becomes a weight on our life. And it keeps us. The word weight is, is a Greek word that, that describes a burden or something so heavy and so cumbersome that it, that it hinders a runner from running his race as he should. The word was uh, particularly used in the athletic world to signify the actions of an athlete who would deliberately strip himself of all excess weight before he participated in a competition. It, it, it was him uh, stripping, this stripping process included the loss of excess flesh weight through dieting and exercise. It's just you and I. We need to get rid of some fleshly desires and fleshly wants and all this stuff. And, and then on that day of actual competition, it said he would strip off nearly all of his clothes so that no extra weight would slow him down. He had his eyes on the prize. He was determined to strip off all the weight that would potentially keep him from being the best athlete he could be. This sends a strong message to us today. If we are to progress in God in this new year of 2019, if we want to please God and satisfy uh, uh, God and do something significant with our lives, we have to prepare and choose to lay aside anything from our lives that would hinder us from being what God wants us to be. The athlete of the ancient world didn't 
become unweighted by accident. He dropped all excess weight on purpose. He died it. He exercised. He shed every unnecessary weight he could find to shed. The stripping process in his life demanded his attention. It demanded his devotion. It wasn't going to happen by accident. So he had to prepare the process for removal to progress. I believe on this first Sunday morning, 2019, Jesus wants us to take a good look at our lives. To lay aside everything that weighs us down. That's going to keep us from being what God wants. Keep us from progressing. Preparation precedes progression. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest with ourselves and with God. Listen to me. Once we prepare for progress, there's going to be some people that's going to find themselves running a race of faith like they've never run. I, I'm, I believe in my heart this year there's going to be some people before this year is over, there's going to be some things. You're going to, you're going to clean out your junk room. I'm going to talk about your house. You'll clean out some old habits. Clean out some old attitudes and hatreds and bitterness. My, old, my ex-foreman and my boss had a hard parting among each other. And I seen my ex-foreman the other day. And I, I told my present foreman about it. I said, hey, I seen, you know, so-and-so. And uh, he must have told my boss. Boss come back and said, I hear you seen so-and-so. I said, yeah, I, I seen him. I, said, I, I didn't think he looked very healthy. Me, me and him still got a good relationship with my ex-foreman. And uh, I said, he looked, he looked not real good. Looks like he was unhealthy. And he, he stopped for a second. He said, I, I sure wish this could have turned out different. I envisioned this being different. Then he paused and looked at me. He said, this forgiveness thing's not easy, is it? I said, no, it's not. It's necessary. It is necessary. Folks, there's some things that we need to lay aside. We'll never progress like God wants us to progress. Stand with me today. I'm doing Preach my heart to you today. Preach my heart to you. I'm going to try my best in this year to make sure when I stand behind this pulpit that I am that I am prepared to preach a sermon to you. Not just a sermon. There's something that will help us. So I challenge you today. You can come to this altar and pray if you'd like. Search your heart for a second. Begin to search for the junk that's in your world. that doesn't need to be there. Begin to search for some things that, that, that needs to leave and get out of our spirit. Can, can we do that? Ask God just to help us. God, I don't want to be... I don't want to become molded, my life molded, God, and cankered by, by things that need to leave my life, God. But I, I, want, I want you to help me, Jesus.
I want you to help me, Jesus. Help me, God, in your precious name, God. Come on, let's just love him today. Jesus, we love you.